0: This is the sound of Worlds Beyond Number.
1: A forest of flame, writhing in inferno. Trees and leaves and branches made of rippling iridescent fire green silver. This forest of flames stands in the penumbra of the world of Umora. itself a reflection of, but not truly, the world of spirits. This reflection exists through magic artifice. In some way, you are still within the burning sand created by those wizards of the citadel. And yet, that magic leads to so much more. Their conjurations, their movements through space take their shortcuts through the spirit, through these reflections, channels, byways created, through what Sufi's mother called the greater binding. Her theory that all magic from the interplay of spirit and the real. Standing here, in this fiery reflection of the great forests of your birth, you feel the familiarity of home while knowing that you look simply at an echo of it. Ahead of you, you can Smell or hear honey, goat pens, and a chicken's roost. You hear the babbling of a brook, the swaying of familiar trees that you knew in childhood. You hear them as though played on the instrument of fire, burning reflections of other places within Umura. You reach out, feeling with certainty, Ursulan, that Ame is already safely home, that all of the other mortal wizards that were flung in here, you have safely cut from the spell work of their own hands that would trap them and return them to the Citadel. Behind you, you hear Footsteps that make a sound like shadow touching fire. It is silent and yet still you can hear it with the approach of the man in black, the king of night, that pilgrim under stars who walks his way towards you. And then There it is, off the path to your side. A burrow. It exists in almost comic contradiction to the wreathing, fiery spell world that surrounds you. This forest of flames, still moist and humid and hot as it was the first time you went through a smaller version of it but that burrow in the flame goes dark, and yet you can smell cool earth, moist ground. And looking at it, it looks so real, like a hole that a little woodland creature would dig at the base of a tree to make a home for itself. And yet... To look so real and humble in a forest of iridescent fire is almost to tell a joke. But then some spirits are very funny. That burrow to you. With these exceptional rolls of insight, your wisdom saving throw, this enormous exertion of attunement to your breath, you've cast the fire back with your shield to give yourself space to breathe, and the sword of Naram now rests in your right hand. The burrow is a spell. Within this spell, some great art has concealed a piece of magic within this greater working of magic, perhaps where no one would ever think to look for it. I asked you, what do you want to do? And in this moment, does Ursulan know?
2: Yes. Ursulan breathes deeply and feels his breath Replace the sound of his heart beating as he feels it extend from his chest to his fingertips and feels his size and his mass again. I think having spent so much time in the Citadel, most if not all of his time was in his glamour. And I think feels himself take up space again. And I think with eyes toward the hole, just kind of making sense of it, Uh, but remembering the words of the man behind him. He's going to say, Brother, I know you have many names. Which would you have me address you by? Brother,
3: it is good to hear you. What would you call me?
1: The appellations which I have. Behold me. What do I seem like to you?
2: Still facing forward. The man in black was my favorite. Many of them are kind.
3: Kind and cruel alike, so goes the world of spirits
1: and the world of mortals. Yes. Something tells me though, brother, that you have become aware in time. Of where the hands of the cruel and kind most
3: often alight. In tall towers,
2: do the wicked do their work? Their desire for control over that which they don't understand seems to have no end. Would you walk with me for a spell? Brother, mayhaps another time we will walk together. For I feel my time here is short. I am almost by your side. I've heard, in one year's time, since the day of Grandmother Wren's passing you will return to the cottage. Do you know and walk within the trust of that young witch of the world's heart? I do. She is under my protection.
1: Then well protected she is. My fear. That I share with you here at the edge of spirit and real. Is that the time will soon be upon her. Where her kindness. Is
3: used to cut her throat. When I arrive.
1: At her home, a wizard already stood within. That tower is the handle of a knife plunged deep into the heart of this world. A heart that witch is responsible for. Kind faces and friendly names obscure a truth of murder to the world of spirits.
2: coming for you and me and for us all. I will do my best to heed your warning, brother. In this moment
1: of choosing, remember always this. Though I wished for you to walk beside me, your choice is your own where you will but if you wait a second longer
3: I will be by your side
2: Ursula is going to look to grandmother Wren's cottage and think to himself I just have to be at the north pole in two days and I'm gonna get in the hole you dive off
1: the path and swear you come within an inch of feeling the brush of a long traveler's cloak as boots step right behind you. But the hole is wider than it first appears and descends more shallowly and with more space and comfort than it first seemed. You dig and pull and scratch the wild feeling of play and strength comes back to you and you are running through the tunnel. The heat of fire is behind you Ursula. You can smell a forest. There is hope and suddenly the burrow
3: opens and you fall.
1: Flame, iridescent, purple, green.
2: Ame,
3: for the first time, you watch the sun
1: rising over the cottage and do not hear the crowing of a rooster.
4: I look down feel myself, is this real? Is it real this time?
1: You are standing in a little patch of the yard, a little less grassful than the rest. You've seen some teleporters appear in this spot before. It seems like sort of a place in the yard that almost like the groove of a seat. One person teleported here and the next person that teleported to the cottage just kind of naturally appeared in this spot because the last person had appeared right here and it kind of wore a groove in the magical space of the cottage. A little bit less grass. Your fox in your arms leaps down to the ground steaming a bit, the moisture kind of wicking off. So there's a little sort of a singed Smell. Fox goes.
4: How you feeling, Fox?
3: <laughs> Woo! Wow.
4: Yeah, yeah. Thank you. You did it.
1: Oh God. It is eerie strip of orange in the eastern sky. It was broad daylight in the citadel, but that's part way across the globe. Here in a calm, the sun is just rising. You see the image of the cottage, cool dew everywhere, hanging on the grass. Bees are not buzzing yet. Chickens and goats are still asleep. It is the quietest time of day. The fox pads around, sniffing at the
3: ground you okay boss
4: I physically yeah it seems so I take stock of myself and of my surroundings
1: your equipment is here you have the ceramic platform given to you by the wizard sly your pocket a little (laughs) <laughs> A little jewel hopper. Seconds tick by. The fox sniffs at your leg, looking up.
4: I seem okay to you.
1: Yeah, I think so. Where's the rest? Where's the rest line? I don't know. Are you okay? I don't think those wizards died. I think they're fine. <laughs> I love your optimism, Fox. No, I feel like I look, I look back. It feels like they're fine. They jumped.
4: and <laughs> just sit on the ground for a second. and collapse. Fox, I, I don't... I don't know where Ursulan is. I don't know where Suvi is. I think... I think I... Do you know the expression, burned a bridge?
3: Burned a bridge.
4: Means you can't go back.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. (sighs) You think you burned a bridge with Ursuline and Suvi? At least
4: with the Citadel. Oh. And if I burned a bridge with the Citadel, then that means... That I, I Okay, let's let's go inside.
1: You open the door and you see the fox walks into the cottage. It's dark in here. It smells so familiar. It's your home. There's the carpet where Ursuline slept indoors for the very first time. Where Suvi cast her very first spell to protect him on the night that he was trapped forever in the mortal world. There's the door that Grandmother Wren walked through that she'll never walk through again.
4: In my mind, I keep calling it Grandma Wren's Cottage. But it's not. It's mine. I don't like it. Mr. Soup?
1: You hear a little knock at the door. Tap, tap, tap. I open them. A very, very old man with a round pot belly a little tweed coat and a little tweed flat cap and an undershirt with a big, big beard that has a little bit of a stain of some soup in it (laughs) and an old wooden cane. You see he's got a little bag of onions and a big pot and some ladles and other things like that around him. You see uh, Dalma, the shrine spirit, wearing his human glamour. Dalma? Ami. Welcome home, young one. No Why don't I get some things ready for a soup? And I I've been I've been sitting out here on your front step every day since you left, letting people know you'll be back soon.
4: Oh thank you so much. Um I, I, I'd, I, I'd like to help you with the soup if I may
3: Yes, but
4: I think it'll it'll help.
1: All right. Um, You sit on the front step and help him cut and peel onion, which is very helpful because you're weeping. (laughs) Um, You see the fox goes, Pee you, and goes off into the house and starts sniffing around. Uh, You see he comes out to you as you sit on the stoop and says, Boss, uh, there's a room that smells a lot like you. Is that your room?
4: Mm Mm-hmm. If, if it has a little bed nest in there, yeah.
3: Okay.
1: Uh, I'm going to go snooze in there.
4: Okay. You go, you go take a nap. You've had a big day.
1: I've been working hard. Yeah, you yeah. have. And he walks off into uh, the room to go to sleep. You and Mr. Soup sit on the stoop.
4: And as we peel, I tell him about my adventures away from the cottage and it's a little bit scattered and piecemeal. I, I'm still processing it myself. In some ways, it, it sort of jumps around a lot. Uh, sort of starting with how I got here, and the um, the portal, the fire, the citadel. I mention that, and, and then I mention the coven. I have to. I have to get to, and that they had apparently sent messages by the cottage that I hadn't been there to receive.
1: Mr. Soup opens his coat and takes out a number of missives, scrolls, important harps, some of them like written on thick insect covered scraps of bark, others in beautiful sealed silver envelopes. Uh, Yes. The Covenant of Elders has reached out. I I told them the nature of your absence. And you should know, Ame, this is far from the messiest transition. I mean, it's up there. Mm. But it's not the messiest. <sighs> that is...
4: a small comfort, yes. Thank you. Well...
1: Uh, I can do my best to help you ready yourself and you know for these coven meetings when it's a full conclave all of the coven will be there you know you're allowed to bring a retinue if you want
4: oh i mean i'd really hoped that it would be suvian salon in fact there seems to be one of Grandma Wren's true friends, told me that if I didn't bring them, uh, I, I I would be destroyed, or that perhaps, well, and run down for him my interaction with Sly.
3: Ooh. why would
4: why would they want to get rid of the station of the Witch of the World's Heart?
1: I don't know all of Wren's business, but I know that she was at odds with the coven for many, many years. There was a plan that she didn't want to go along with and that she had been searching for a long time to find a way to convince her sisters to do something else and that she had not been able to. I
4: have to find out what the plan was, what her plan is, and what she was trying to show to them. And I have less than two days
1: to do it. Uh, Give me an insight check.
4: Fuck! It's a nat one on the die.
1: Uh, You see that Mr. Soup lowers his face...
4: <sighs> what?
1: Well, I'm not really allowed to call you kid anymore. You're a witch of the world's heart.
4: Yeah, but- show some respect.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sir. If Grandma Wren had a plan, she would have shared it with you. <sighs> she wouldn't have kept a plan hidden, I think. I don't like to speak ill of Grandma Wren, but I think she was coming up with nothing but straws. Yeah.
4: Okay. Well then, uh, okay. New list. I have to figure out what their plan is and figure out how to oppose them and find a thing that I don't know what is or if Grandma Wren knew what was to convince them.
1: Um, the carrots are ready. You see Mr. Soup gets the soup up and ready. As you guys get it, sort of get the day's chores started, you see the sun rises over the cottage. You hear birdsong. It's early summer. Crickets, songbirds, babbling brook. As you think about how you can get ready in the short time that you have. Probably half a day and a half now. You see, uh, walking up into the courtyard is Lohan the baker. Older now.
3: Oh! Uh, hey there, friend. Is, uh, is, is the witch of Toma home?
1: You see, Mr. Soup looks over to you.
3: Hi, Lohan. Oh! Ame, you're back! Oh, the village will be so happy to hear it! Uh, I, I thought I'd come by and try you again this week.
1: Um... Bessie has a problem with her hand. It seems like some sort of arthritis or oh, something like that. Oh gosh. Uh, it's yeah. It's uh, around that
4: age that happens. Um I can um yeah, I can I, I can I just actually have a, a something for that a little bit. Um but you might want to tell folks that I have to be gone again for a bit. Really? Yeah.
1: Oh. Long journey, longer than any wren took, I think. Uh,
4: yeah, well, I—I I don't know. I'm—I'm I'm getting used to having to do all the kinds of things that she did, and it's taken a little bit of adjustment.
3: All right.
1: Uh, well, I, I don't mean—I don't mean to trouble you, um, Aunt May.
4: No, no, not trouble. Um, I think I, I go over to the medicine cabinet, and there, um, I, I slide it open. There's tinctures and ointments and, uh, ground-up salves and powders, um, there should be something that's at least, uh, you know, even just a basic
1: arnica to, to help with, um, joint pain. You gather some remedies together, hand them to Lohan. Yes, you hear Lohan walk away, uh, Dalma looks at you and says, well... I've been up out of the shrine for a long time, and if you're gonna need me watching the house again, I, I'd better get some rest.
4: Yes, please. Thank you so much.
1: Uh, soups on the stove. Take your time and just wake me up again at the shrine mm-hmm. if uh, when you're ready to go.
4: Yes, thank you. Um. Oh, and I uh, reach in and I get uh, some some of the, uh, some little rice cakes. We know that he likes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> And you see, he drops his glamour, his little sort of porcine uh, spirit face. He sort of wobbles and dances a little bit with the rice cakes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Vanishes back up in the direction of the shrine. Soft bubbling of soup. House settling wind and crickets and songbirds and the little snoozes of a fox and you are in this house.
4: It's mine. It's mine now. But now I look at it with the eyes of someone who remembers. I remember everything that Grandma Wren told me in this house. All of the secrets that she kept weren't secrets at all. They were things that she brought me up with. And now I remember why she kept the cabinets unlabeled and where the things that are precious are kept and what kind of books she would find it necessary to keep and where. I'd like to look around the cottage, busy myself with finding things, books about spirits, a flawless sapphire, the places where Grandma Wren would hold things that were precious and important.
1: With a day and a half to prepare, knowing that if Suvi and Ursulon do not join you, according to the wizard Sly, you are doomed. You will take this time to search for answers in this home and leave Suvi and Ursulon's business to them.
4: I want so badly to reach out to them, but do I know how without the secrets of my sanctum What can I do? How can I find them?
1: Realizing that reaching out to your friends is beyond your gifts. You go upstairs, open the cabinets, the drawers and armor shelves and wardrobes that have long been off-limits to you to find what armaments of secret knowledge and hidden lore might help the newly stationed witch of the world's heart.
4: There is one more place, too, that I especially think of. Rug, up.
1: Fast-flowing water as the rug folds at your command. And the trap door opens. Light, dappled like running water, touches your face. Suvi.
3: (laughs) (laughs) We know where you you are.
1: You are standing at the Galathopter Pier, having ordered soldiers to bring them to you. Five Galathopters. More. And Steel, with the retinue behind her, you see the brass wizard slate behind her. More soldiers. About ten golden-armored wizards of the Sword of the Citadel leap forward. Steel looks at you, standing here. What is the expression on your face as she emerges from the Galathopter?
0: It is blank there's not emotion it is the absolute lack of steel leaps from the ship sees you
1: has a moment of rage and tension and a moment of i don't fucking need this in her face and she looks at you standing here completely vacant she is brilliant She knows that the order she gave you was to stay. And she sees you staying. She sees that Ursulon and Ame are not here. Looks at the troops behind her and says, fan out, find the witch, find the protector. And she turns and sighs and looks so tired. And she embraces you and brings your face into the crook of her neck
0: she's sobbing softly and it's just a litany of she th- she believes what the diviner said she knows that if i don't go she'll die but she just left they left they didn't care and there was a fire they Her rush was due to being in a coma because she couldn't wait they never wait they don't care
1: it's okay
0: If I don't go, she'll
1: die. What?
0: If what the Diviner said is true, if I don't go, she will die.
1: You see that she casts uh, a deeper form of detect magic, something actually quite potent that you don't even fully recognize. She looks at you and goes, Did you grab her?
0: I tried. I just wanted her to wait for a second. I wanted... She touches <laughs> your arm.
3: You're so fucking crazy, kid. What? Why? You're what? so crazy. I
1: I should have been more specific in my orders. You see that she just touches your head and gives you a kiss on the cheek, and says, I gave you the order to stay. <sighs> Thanks for following orders, kid. You're a good wizard. Okay. Hey. Hey, you did everything you thought was right. I want you to know I'm not even that angry at Ame right now.
0: You're going to be madder. There was a big inferno for a second.
1: I Hey, I saw it. Yeah. The whole citadel saw it. Yeah. Timing bad and lots of Imperial people here. Timing bad. Uh, Would have loved the fiasco to wait, I don't know, 36 hours. Right. Uh, But, bottom line, Ame uh, got bad intel. Uh, I just have come from Kabani. Ame is acting in a way that makes sense if you're really scared. Ame just woke up from a month-long coma and is really scared. And if I was not totally preoccupied with a million other things, I would have had the time and space to try to calm her down. This is not on you. This is on me. I had a witch in the Citadel, and we couldn't make her comfortable because everything's fucking sliding off the
0: deck of the ship. I don't necessarily agree, but it feels better that it's not my fault. So I'm going to let you take this one. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) She looks at you and goes... Okay, fire's put
1: out. No sign of Ursulon, and in fact, you see that she stops. She's getting sendings from other elsewhere mm. in Zhao. No casualties. Ursulon was seen going into, and he's made. Uh, that's all right. Um, well, now I've got to figure out how to tell the truth and lie at the same time to everybody about why your protector was a spirit and he was not doing what spirits do for a while. Okay, Uh this is all all right. (laughs) You know, that's the the whole joy of wizardry is as soon as you get good at solving a problem, they give you a new one. So this is what we asked for, and life's not bad. Actually, life's good.
0: This is what I sound like. <laughs> <laughs>
1: let's get in the Galathopter and head home. Come on.
0: Oh, hold on. Hold on. You said the intel was bad. Who did you talk to?
1: I talked to Scholar. I talked to to, to uh, the Wizard Scholar. Uh, she's been. She was very clear. Look, let's just let's go. Uh, how are you physically right now? Did you did you get hurt? No. Okay. Do you want to go back to your tower or do you want to go to mine?
0: Yours, please.
1: She pfft, creates a dimension door, walks through it, takes you with her and goes,
0: uh,
3: Sonder, we'd like some, some <laughs> the
1: frozen yogurt. We get some frozen yogurt and put booze in it. Um, no. <laughs> she walks you up to the balcony. <sighs> okay. I talked to Scholar who was able to tell me that witches have been casting magic into the citadel. I don't know how we didn't notice it, but we didn't notice it. What do you mean? Well, there's—on the night of you— the, Oh, I
0: no, I do know what you mean. What? Uh, the night of my—the name cloak, we were, we were on Gavril and two ice fairies— from Injury, the witch of something with W's that I'm very sorry I don't remember. That's Suvi, not Aabria. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I do not remember because they all had W's. Sent Ame missives about uh, having to pick a time and a place for this conclave. So that did happen. I forgot. And I forgot it was a bigger deal Okay, Come, becoming a little bit mad again? No, That's I okay. understand. I understand. Okay, it's a big bad day. So we just always have to.
1: We just all have to always be saying what we know.
0: Now, in all fairness, I would not have had time because at shortly That's thereafter, no, no, you're right.
1: You're right. You were deployed. I was deployed. That's correct. That's correct. Um, I need to. I need to give you a way to always be in touch with me. So I'm going to figure out how to do that.
0: Yeah. Um. Less shatterable. Thank you. Okay, that's that's no no. Spirits are wild, and apparently, we just rock up on them all the time.
1: Um, She looks at you and says, "Speak to me of this conclave. What is the nature of Amé's coven?"
0: Amé is the witch of the world's heart, and makes her the fifth member of the coven. Of elders. She is the one tasked with the connection between people, though the rest of their domains speak to nature and the self. Her station could be lost as well as her life.
1: (sighs) The diviner that you spoke to in Kabani. Who tried to warn her that she was dead in days?
0: What happens to them if I tell you their name? I trust you with my life. Please tell me the truth. Steele looks out at the Citadel.
1: Wizards are known by their secrets. She bites her cheek hard enough that you can tell she's got blood in her mouth. And a tear falls down her cheek. I don't know how this place works. I don't know how any of us can trust each other. It feels like every inch I move within this citadel, someone has a great reason to protect people from accountability from knowledge and from clarity. Everybody's got a vested interest in putting up walls and fog in a place whose sole purpose is to bring light to the world. What do you think I'm gonna do, Suvi? You think I'm gonna go find the diviner who was probably ensorcelled or enchanted by a powerful witch of this coven of elders? And I'm going to have them beheaded in the square. No. And by the way, what if this diviner that you spoke to is nefarious? Is that impossible to conceive of?
0: No. Can I make an insight check? Yeah. Sixteen.
1: She's looking at you and she is angry. She doesn't know whether the prophecy is true or not true. She has information secondhand from you and firsthand from this other diviner. And it's possible to trick seers and soothsayers. Some abjurer's wards don't stop the sword or the fire some diviners see things that don't end up being true Some there are all these edge cases in marginalia and you just see that what's, what Steele is furious about is that she's got an impossible task and all these moving pieces deep in her heart she's reaching out trying to grab somebody's arm but she's trying to do it to the whole world Someone in this citadel wanted a series of things to happen and made it happen. What I'm reacting to isn't even whether that thing was actually wrong. It was why nobody else knew about it. If we had the witch of the world's heart in our citadel and a member of the citadel knew that she was going to come to some utter doom, there are a million tools at our disposal to make sure that doesn't happen. To be honest with you, even if I was certain that this prophecy was correct, my suggestion would be to keep Ame here and have these witches fucking, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, yeah, you see what I'm saying? No, yes, yes. The, the, you know, the impossible witches. It, it, look, I've always told you to respect witches and I mean it. I mean it because they are subtle and they move in strange ways and they pop up where you least expect them. And I always knew that Grandmother Wren was a way bigger deal than she seemed fixing horse hooves in Toma. And now I discover that my suspicions (laughs) were very correct. What I will say to you here is this. Everybody underestimates wizards and they do it in a
0: way that will drive you crazy. If you think about it, Suvi's just going to reach out and grab Steele's hand as she gestures. Suvi was resolved to this a minute ago into this rant. That at the end of the day, laying all the pieces on the board, Steele has been there her entire life. In every moment of true crisis that she has experienced with Ursulan and Amé they have cast her harshly aside so why suddenly would she put away all of the empirical evidence about who to trust and what to do and she just says the wizards lie she narrows her
1: eyes Office of Preemptory Catastrophic,
3: catastrophic deviation? deviation? Yeah. Yeah. Where?
0: Why? How did he even get in touch with you? He's a friend of Grandmother Wren's. He's a friend? didn't. I am a friend of Grandmother
1: Wren's. I am that. I am a friend of Grandmother Wren's. Yeah. Oh, God. So what, you were in Kabani getting donors and you said, hey, do you want to stop an apocalypse that's not going to happen for 400 years?
0: Yeah, something like that. Okay.
1: Well, great. I'm glad you met Sly. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Did Sly come here to Malacanth?
0: No. Once Ame awoke, she remembered everything that was lost to that curse, except for who put it on her which again i know is the thing that you i i agree that waiting and doing things right yields better results i'm i don't have to get mad cuz you're mad you can have you can hold that emotion and i can just be sad
1: i'm actually the vibrations of anger have become so furious that now i'm sort of at rage enlightenment on oh. a new plane that's good. I'm in That's a new so plane nice for of being so I'm good. Give it, Just pile it on now because it's yeah. going to all get metabolized.
0: Perfect. Uh, so let me feed this fire real quick. Ame woke up with all of her memories intact. She knows uh, who Grandmother Wren's allies are in the Citadel and we made the rounds to visit them. Well, she made the rounds to visit them and I got to go to this one. Suvi has decided in this moment to lie a little bit. Mm-hmm. Made the rounds to visit them. And while meeting with Sly, we were made aware of her stakes and her timeline and what could happen if Ursuline and I were not with her. Okay, that makes sense. So, the, so waking up out of
1: the coma was sort of a brand new Ame, one that had a lifetime of memories. Yes. She arrived... And on one of the. I'm imagining the day that I was out at Fort Kieran. Went around. You went to Sly
0: first? No. uh, The Kassov collection. Kassov collection? Yeah.
1: Grandma Wren has a friend at the Kassov
0: collection? Yes.
1: (sighs) Who's even. What? In one of the paintings? Pomeroy. You don't say. Well, that little freak. <laughs> yeah, friend would be generous. I don't think Wren would call Pomeroy a friend.
0: He's so gross and scary. Yeah, he like wants to be here. No, he's into this. Yeah, I know. We don't. We allow. allow- Why did you allow? He seems like a liar. That
1: though. wasn't my call. Yeah, there's the conjurers take care of themselves. Ugh. He's bad. Um, but good to know... Now, wait, did Pomeroy's an actual friend of Grandmother Wren?
0: I don't know if friend's the word, but someone Ame needed to know in the Citadel. Existed in the Citadel.
1: I wonder why there was a connection between Pomeroy and Grandma Wren. She's a witch, spirit, but why would there be a connection there? That's so strange. All right. Well... Good to know. Yeah. After Pomeroy, where next? Sly. How did you get to Kabani from Zhao? The fire. Yeah. Okay, I didn't because there's no. Never mind. Give me an insight check.
0: Yeah. What the fuck was that? Twelve.
1: Yeah, you see a weird. It's like a weird skip in what she's talking about. Hold on. What's that? What's you what? Did
0: that? You moved past the thing. What happened? What's going on with the fire? Fires.
1: Fire? No, I just because while that was we were already beginning to lock down the citadel, even as Fort Kieran was happening. Oh, in a subtler way. So okay. I was just wondering why. Uh, but there's a lot of Gallifooters and fires and dimension doors and traveling doors and yada yada. And there's a lot. There's a lot to keep track. of. Sure, sure. Sly, you talk to him. He, as a pal of Grandmother Wren's, what were all the things he said were going to happen to?
0: Uh, The big one was, Conclave's going to happen with or without Ame in three days' time. If she's not there to defend herself, her office will be destroyed and her along with it. If I'm not there, she won't survive it, and they won't let me go. Don't know what that means. Uh, And... In a year, if Ursulon didn't have a shield, uh, both Ame and I would die. So then we went next to my friend Hana to try to find a shield. And that's the end of that very bad day.
1: And that this was all loud. This was yesterday.
0: Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right.
1: Um, you see that she says, Sly says, if you're not there, they destroy your station. Does that mean they destroy Ame as well?
0: Yes. Okay. And where is this conclave happening? The North Pole. Witches are so fucking whimsical. I
1: don't think there's anything whimsical about freezing to death. How the hell is Ame going to get there? Hey, calm down. We're in the middle of a fucking desert we made. Yeah, but we're great at everything. I don't know how he's... Like, did, did Ame talk
0: about getting, you know cold weather gear that's probably why she wanted to go home all right I don't know witches do crazy witch shit and now she's a full-ass witch
1: does she but do you know if she has a means of actually getting to this so was her intention to go back to Toma and then go to this conclave at the North Pole
0: that's why she was desperate to get to Toma
1: she needed time okay that makes sense she needed time prior to when the conclave was happening so if she went to Silbury then she can you
0: get me to Silbury Sorry, I know this is not the question you wanted at the end of this conversation.
1: I don't think I can get you to Silbury. Truthfully, I wasn't bullshitting. It's incredibly dangerous to do that kind of teleportation right now. But it's what? We got like two days, a day and a half?
0: Right, but what if she has to go leave early to get— I don't know how she's going to get there.
1: The exact wording of this prophecy— So if you're not there to advise her, what happens? She dies. You just see Steel running numbers in her head. Okay. When you have all the information, that's when you can make the right decision. I can't get you to Silbury, but I think I can do you one better. You want a skyship? <music> Old stone steps carved into the bedrock of the hillside itself. Dappled light from water below. One of the Earliest memories Ame has of coming to Grandmother Wren's house was of waking up in her little nest in the middle of the night, looking under the door and seeing the ripple of watery light. Across the ceiling, the first time Grandmother Wren told the rug to fold itself up, open the trapdoor, and walk within down to the river flowing under the house. Deep well of magic. Ame, you descend the steps. Wooden beams, humble nailed together, the same style as the rafters and beams of the house above, holding up the stone and earth. And at the final stone step, you see the little lapping of the stream. To duck your head down, you can see just a little of the water. And hear the light of some bioluminescent moss underneath the water, casting light on the small cavern. So small, this underground river. There is no massive cavern waiting for you here. It is a private space, a small nestled nook of the welcoming earth and the water rushing underneath. Ame, you behold it here in your first visit to the basement of your home. Witch of the world's heart.
4: I read my hands as I walk. Across the smooth stone walls. They're so cool and comforting. It's funny that this whole world existed right underneath my feet my whole life, practically my whole life. This is my first time here. I call out, Hello?
1: water rises up, laps at your feet, cool, but it does not send a chill through your body as it soaks into and around your feet. You hear voices. They don't speak to you in words. The whispers simply tell you what they feel, which is recognition, acceptance. Sorrow and comfort. Knowledge of what you have lost. Soft readiness to act with the knowledge you would give them. I hold
4: in my mind the events of the last three months in that way that's not recounting it word by word or even seeing it image by image it's the cloud almost the amorphous feeling of this monumental time in my life what I've lost what I gained what I threw away I ask for guidance, and I ask for permission to take up what Grandmother Wren had left for me.
1: Please. Up above, you hear the rattle of the house as the water rises to your shins. Light. You hear drawers unlocking cabinets opening. trapdoors and cupboards shaking. Gifts of the house that had long been secreted away from you. You sense magic at your disposal. No great point of vision, but tools to use, and then the light shows you, a mask bone white,
3: Rin. the world has burned before, they cannot be allowed.
1: We do not act now, we will miss our chance." You hear Grandmother Wren's voice.
3: There has got to be a way, Murara. There has got to be a way. We cannot be forced to choose between one slaughter or another. Forever. I believe these sides may see a way to live together in harmony, then you
1: are a fool, Wren. I would sooner wager to see mountains bow and oceans bend their knee than see the will of wizards debase themselves.
3: You are wrong, Marara. The times have grown dark, the hour late,
1: but there is nothing I have seen in the world of mortals or of spirits that shows me that there is a path that is wrong to tread. Merely those who tread paths hurtfully with cruel intention. There is nothing innate to the search for wizardry. There is nothing with... What can it even mean to say that there is an abomination against the natural order of the world? If it exists, then within nature's order, it I've must...
3: heard. Enough, Ren. Walk in the
1: halls. I have walked. See the things I have seen. And tell me that the poison of wizards does not spread so quickly as to choke the life from this world. The hour grows late. What salvation are you hoping to find? I am hoping to find. Two hands, turned away from weapons of war, of conquest and control, reaching to hold in and of themselves the other. Hands cannot hold forever, Ren. and choices must be made. The light fades... And you see Wren in the water, her reflection of the time she came here, her brow wrinkled with fear. What was she afraid of? You hear the ticking of a clock. A tower surrounded by endless white sand, snow falling gently. A rift shattered glass, an ending from beyond which there can be no
3: return.
4: I know the stakes now. For all of my youth and inexperience, the things I don't know and my mistakes thus far I have a clarity of purpose, at least. And I have the powers of one of the greatest stations in this world. I will find these tools that I need. I will find my friends. They'll come with me. I have so little time and so much to do, but I will get it done. That's what a witch does. There is nothing that cannot be fixed by hard work and care. And I am filled with the aptitude, the experience and the knowledge and heart for both. I run upstairs.
1: Tools at your disposal. You refresh your supplies, your herbalism kit, those things you need to cast what spells you can. Gathering what you can to your aid. You feel the house filling you with power. You level up?
3: <gasps> oh. <Uh-oh>. Oh.
1: Third level. <laughs> Night falls. The fox awakens, comes to help you, even just providing comfort on your lap. Ursula never arrives. And neither does Suvi. You find resting on a desk of Grandmother Wren's is correspondence with the Wizard stone. A flawless sapphire. In the correspondence, you see beloved words of kindness between a wizard and a witch. Great workings of magic when things that the world has conspired to keep apart instead come together. You see talk of a flawless sapphire from a young man named Gult. And you see an enchantment, as the two of them correspond and speak, of Stone's acknowledgement that her life was entering a place of such great danger that she felt that she could not continue unless she could guarantee safety for her child. You see the schematics drawn by a wizard with thoughts and critiques offered from a different discipline. You don't see the messages that Grandmother Wren sent because those would have been in the care of Stone, but you do see Stone's replies that acknowledge the thoughts and feelings of Grandmother Wren. A pendant capable of hiding her child from the greatest of spirits, and in fact only great spirits, that small spirits might be able to be befriended by her child and see her, but that great spirits would never be able to see her. And you remember the shrine of Orima.
4: She put herself on mute.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: That would also protect her from the scrying of the Citadel. Oh. You see various and sundry talismans and tokens and also laid out on your bed, describe for me the clothes that you will wear going to the far north of this world.
4: Laid out on Grandmother Wren's, on my bed, under the watchful gaze of that creepy green man that always unsettled me so deeply as a child, but now offers comfort with his vigilance. I find a gown similar in structure to my normal little red and white witch's uniform with the long sleeves and the tunic robe, a longer skirt and longer stockings to go under it, so light like silk but somehow warm, It's all pure white like snow. I'll disappear in a snowy background in these, just in the way that ermine turn white when the season changes. I fold it over me, the panels of my cloak left over right. on the underskirt the stockings I tie the white belt around my waist with all my pouches now which have faded devoid of color it's almost a little too warm for this summer day here
1: you have the ermine on the day is fading the fox comes up to you you hear a knock at the door hello Sorry, Ami. It's just me. Uh I came down from
3: the shrine early.
4: Oh no, no no no. I was going to go up to see you. I I go down and I open the door.
1: Wearing his glamour again, you see, Dalma.
4: Dalma is there anyone else that you can help enlist the aid of any any friends, other spirits,
1: uh people from the village? I, I, I... Folks from the village got problems enough on their own with... Well, without having a witch around. I'll be alright looking after the house. Maybe you'll get a chance to come back and... Wake up some of the other spirits around. I mean, Ren just didn't
3: need that much help. She had you.
4: Oh, yes, that's true. I can do that, can't I?
1: Well, Ms. Ame... I think you can do pretty much anything you set your mind to just with enough care and hard work. <laughs> do I know
4: off the top of my head how long and how much effort it would take to awaken some local spirits?
1: I don't know. Give me a uh, a nature role. 17 I think it the wilder spirits farther afield, I don't know if you would know how to go wake them up, but you feel like, well, you're the witch of the world's heart. You hear bees buzzing in the hives nearby and there are some goats out in the pen.
4: I close my eyes I think... They don't have to be great spirits. They don't have to be guardians. But everything here and as i saw in the citadel you know even un things not of nature have a spirit and i asked them if they could help i don't know if i'm going to be coming back or if there will be another witch of toma or or of the council I want to leave this place in the event that I don't return to the people of Toma and to all those who need its aid. Can I ask the house that ask the bees and the goats and the trees nearby, and the wind in the village?
3: The bees
1: buzz. You hear the goats come out of their little wooden plank into the pen. Out in the garden, little scarecrow swings in the wind up above that rooster weather vane with the long forked tail. Dalma looks around and he looks out to the garden. You see he goes, Edelbeth. And coming out from the beehive, you see a farm woman. A dress of yellow and black, checkers, and a white apron. One of her canine teeth as she licks her lips is a little longer and sharper than the other one. Thick black eyebrows, olive skin, black hair tied under a black and yellow checkered bandana. She goes...
3: Tell my old so and so. It's been too long. That Wren was tired near the end. And you see,
1: he says, I won't have any words spoken against Grandmother Wren. Not here, not now. And she comes up and says, I'm awake. I'm awake. What's your name? Oh, sorry. Don't tell me your name. What might I call you?
4: Oh, thank you. Uh, Ame, Witch of Toma.
1: Witch of Toma. But maybe not. But maybe not. Well, we'll see about that. And you see, she says, I can smell it here. Kitchen smells like a mess. And you see that she uh, walks in and says, all right, the village needs food. And you suddenly hear, huh, oh, I'd appreciate mightily a hand getting down. And you see the scarecrow flopping in the wind. Hena Hena Mohe. Um, what'd you say?
4: Hena Hena Mohe.
1: Hena Hena Mohe?
4: Yeah. Uh, the name of it? It's like they do a little. It's the it's the Japanese uh, hiragana, and it looks like a little face. Yes, little eyebrows and eyes and a nose and a mouth. It's usually it's often drawn
1: on scarecrows or little little doodle doodle faces. You see that the scarecrow Henna Henna Mohe, is sort of waving up there. Uh, sort of got the pole. Like like on his back, he's got uh he's like his sleeves are buttoned up and he's got buttoned up pant legs and uh, describe what else if, you, if that's his face what what are the clothes that comprise Henna Henna, Henna Mohe?
4: he's wearing um, oversized overalls they're orange and he's wearing big old waiter boots that stick out at odd angles. His shirt is, at this point, just stripy rags. But he always gets a little fresh stuffing of hay, uh, you know, every month or so. And it's summer, so he's at his plumpest.
1: Dalma says, Moe! Uh, and goes over uh, and uh, gets him down. You see, he pulls the little pull that he's off the ground and shoulders it. And you see, looks around and says,
3: oh, oh, pleasure and an honor. Oh, I, I can't believe it. I've been looking after you since you were little.
1: And coughs up some, like, uh, it looks like a, a rock or something that's in his head. Oh, uh, some, hey, uh, it's a player. You see, there's this big floppy bow. Uh,
4: oh, I used to talk to you a lot. I didn't know that you'd be able to talk about... Did you hear everything? What did you hear? <laughs> he
1: says, Ah, uh, nothing I repeated to nobody. I see it as I can't talk unless you wake me up. Okay, well,
4: see that it stays that way.
1: Uh, I have appreciated the c- company <laughs> the c- crows aren't always so c- kind You see the Elbeth says, Well, Mohe, why don't you do what you do best and go make sure that no demons come in? And you see, he says, You c- c- got it! Uh, and... Uh, walks off. You see this sort of ancient uh, a a goat goes and knocks the pen door open and as the goat steps out it stands up and is a burly old man who you see he's got a little button nose uh, two big eyes that are made even bigger with the spectacles on his nose. He's got two horns on his head and a wisp of a beard with no mustache and you see he's Carrying a little doctor's bag he walks out with this like little blue blazer ah
3: oh um, uh, you see he walks out and says pleasure to meet you. I'm dr. yagi
4: oh it's a, an absolute honor doctor
3: uh, pleasure, pleasure, my understanding is you attend to the people of toma as a physician,
4: usually
1: well. Seeing as your absence may be marked for some time, I don't see any reason that I shouldn't help out. Um, you see that, uh, you see Hena Hena Mohe, Elbeth, uh, Dalma, and now Dr. Yagi uh, all sort of appear as you've woken up the spirits uh, of the yard. Thank you
4: so, so much.
1: The fox looks up at you and says, you know all these people?
4: Uh, well, I just met them today. Did you know these people?
1: <laughs> I'm an animal. You see, Doctor Yagi looks and says, "Well, I know you have your work cut out for you. We'll see you after Toma while you're gone, and try to keep the house in one piece until you get back."
3: Oh,
4: thank you so much. Oh, and I and I send a little message out to you know I I, I have a little scroll just through the usual ways, um, uh, telling the people of Toma, you know about about our our new friends. And, and to treat them as honored guests and trust in them as they would trust in me.
1: Mm-hmm. You see uh, Elvis gets to work in the kitchen. Uh Henna Mohe is sort of, like, like looking out around the garden. Uh, you see he's helping Dr. Yagi, like, carry a little picnic table out of a shed. Uh, Dauma sort of laughs, uh, you know, cutting potatoes on the stoop of the house. Um, uh, and... Uh, You hear the buzzing of bees, chirping of crickets, uh, as you and the fox go back inside. Um, I'm ready.
4: And I, I do, I do leave a note for Suvi and Ursalon just in case they do make it back to Toma. And I tell them I'm sorry and that I have to go do... My duty. And that I love them. So much.
1: Hey, Fox. Yeah, boss? You ready? No.
4: You gonna come anyway?
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Me too. Hey, boss. Yeah, Fox? I think you're the best witch ever. And I'm going to say that to every witch we meet, right to their face.
4: You are the best fox who ever lived.
1: I know it.
4: I put down the ceramic dish.
3: It's the
1: floor of the cottage. You see a billy goat spirit A stream spirit, a scarecrow spirit, and a bee spirit all in your kitchen, looking out and nodding as light pours out from under the rug.
4: Thank you. I step on it, and I say, I am Ame, the witch of the world's heart, and I seek conclave with my sisters.
1: Frost, light, mist, energy, runes appear. The spell work of the wizard sly. light covers you in the fox, and there's a flash of cold and white. All things occurring as they have been seen, with perhaps... One or two tricks, just to keep the story interesting. Ursuline,
3: you fall
1: and land. <laughs> <Ooh. sighs> Strange smells, unfamiliar, deep forest, wet earth, boots and hand your glamour dropped give me perception 16 swamp marsh jungle some mixture of the three smell of rotting vegetation waterlogged thick vines trees around you unfamiliar unlike a calm you are still within umora things are moving Do you stay, one hand on the ground,
2: or do you stand? I'm going to stay and use divine sense to kind of open, connect with my breath, and sense if there are other spirits in this place.
1: You spend a lot of time in a calm, forests, towns, hints of the spirit there and back again. Ursuline has met spirits and he's met mortals. But what happens when one melds with the other? What happens when the spirit is trapped within the real and left to fester? Ursuline's never met monsters before now. Things are moving towards you quickly in the darkness. You hear them moving through the forest.
2: I'm going to stand and uh, hoist my shield and draw a wavebreaker.
1: They smell like they were spirits once. Or maybe... maybe something else. The realm of spirits is full of Mountains and of streams, of forests and stones. It has its horses and its birds that sing. It has its beasts, too. Not like you, not like the children of the Great Bear that are named and speak and talk and think. Sometimes when spirits become way shadowed like you, they are able to hide under human glamour, but not all beings of the spirit world are so fortunate. What happens when a beast, truly a beast of the spirit world, becomes way shadowed like you? Sometimes they survive, and sometimes their descendants live on. Ah! Uh, three beasts uh, close into the circle with you. Give me an insight to check. Difficulty 20. Fucking 19. No! Uh- <laughs> Straight up 19. Roll initiative. Eighteen initiative. Three shapes, uh, beasts charge out of here. Your divine sense. Oh no, you have your divine sense on, so you can sense only their shapes, but not the environment around you. As you stand, they uh, scream out, leaping towards you
2: with long clawed hands. I'm going to bonus action wrathful smite and uh, square up, uh, back uh, and swing. Go for it. 19 on the die for a 26. That
1: is a hit.
2: 24 points of damage.
1: What you see before you is a simian feline monstrosity something like a baboon and a panther if the skin was pulled back from the face to expose skull and blood and muscle with wild eyes bloodshot with sleeplessness from a creature that cannot rest. You see green scales with mottled, sickening splotches of gray fur like a thing that is made rank as though its own scaly hide is itself a series of lesions or diseases that crushes it. You see it leap forward with elongated arms, extra jointed as though given some uneven number of elbows on an arm stretching towards you. Describe how Ursulon destroys this thing.
2: Coming from below, swing up. I think as the the blade makes contact, there is that familiar smell of honey. Uh, that that ethereal honey scent that then gives way to just that rank musk of a predator approaching prey uh, that fills both Ersulon's, uh like takes over Ursulon's senses uh, and is communicated to this beast as he essentially, I think, guts it from stomach through up through the head. The lead beast
1: is immediately eviscerated. The following two leap upon you. That is a hit and a crit. From the first, you take three points of damage and the other one strikes you with a natural 20 on the die, dealing eight points of damage.
2: At 11 hit points.
1: Raking across. Uh, <laughs> uh, you see that one of them goes and sinks deep claws into your chest and rips a chunk of your flesh out of your torso. From the
2: ah. Ah.
1: As it does so. You see it pulls something off and attempts to crush it into the ground, smashing it over and over, destroying its own fist out of a sense of berserk fury. It is your turn to act.
2: Uh, that, the smashing thing, that's, do I perceive that to be just its own unnaturalness or is it somehow, does that somehow affect- It grabbed something off of you. Okay, uh, can I- uh, perception check for what it was? Uh, in this, you will be taking your action to do it. Well, then no. I'm going to kill that one. Uh, I I want whatever it is back, so I'll swing on it. Mm-hmm. 23 to hit. That is a hit. Uh, 11 points of damage on the second strike. You reach forward, and the one that is
1: smashing to the ground has dropped its guard, and you behead it. Wavebreaker comes down. There is one left that is going to attack you. With only one opponent left, this thing bleeps and you put your shield in between you and it and throw it off of you back to the ground. It is your turn. That does not hit, it's a natural one. You swing, this beast leaps back. (laughs) You have a moment as it leaps back to look down at the ground at the open bloody fist of this creature. You see it holding the badge of the Citadel, ripped off your chest. Do you hesitate in this moment? It is your turn once again.
2: I do.
1: This thing leaps at you. It misses again. You step to the side and bat it off with your shield. Not surrounded, not being able to be flanked anymore. These things are horrifying, but you look at them and go, oh, this thing probably weighs 120 pounds. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm bigger
2: than this. I'm going to keep my shield in between us. I am not of the citadel. Give me either intimidation or persuasion. Give you intimidation. 24? Whoo!
1: this thing. <laughs> you you don't think it can speak. You think this is a beast. This is This is not like you meeting other people out in the world. This is like you've come across a yard with like attack dogs in it. Mm-hmm. There's like a feeling of this thing sensing you're a bigger, stronger animal and <laughs> backing down. And it looks at the, it looks like the badge of the Citadel in the hand of its sort of, like, packmate.
2: I'm going to sheathe Wavebreaker uh, and put my hand up. I am not of the Citadel.
1: In the distance, maybe, like, uh, less than half a mile away, your whole world spins into insanity as a wall of fire spreads across the horizon. and You see a shape in the clouds above that for a second you swear to God you see wings wider than the sky as a thing disappears into storm clouds, lightning crackles and the edge of forest is just a light in fire. The wall fades but you see the dim haze of fire in the distance. Now seemingly farther away but just Hell in that direction. (laughs) The the beast cowers looking in surprise as well.
2: (laughs) Where who do you know Kalaya? It comes back to you. The speech of Beast and Leaf. Oh, that's right.
1: You say Kalaya and the thing goes (laughs) It bolts off into the woods.
2: I chase after it.
1: Uh, this thing moves through the woods for so long. It gets up to a sudden... It stops looking surprised. Ursulan, you look out over ash and ruin. An expanse. You see skies filled with clouds. And then you realize it's not clouds, it's smoke. You look from a cliff high above... This jungle is perched somewhere, high, high, high in the air. Looking down, you see lights, towns, and cities. Skyships descending. Fire. With your keen eyes, you look down. In an eruption of flame, one of the flags of Gauthmai erupts in fire. The beast looks up and scuttles back into the forest, seeming to know another way to where it was going. I follow it. You move. After perhaps an hour's journey, you cross a river, find a way deep into some canyons. The sound of bombardment of smoke and fire fades away. You're at the base of some kind of ravine, crisscrossed by ancient tree roots. Smells like clean water down here. Deep earth. Minerals have filtered the rain and a clear brook moves. And you arrive as the ravine opens up. In the deep earth, you see roots of ancient trees. And here seemingly impossibly in this deep ravine with almost no sunlight you see a massive tree red leaves blue fruit there are windows set into the tree a beautiful door the beast goes and in abjuration the beast cannot approach but you see it snarls at you and headbutts you in the butt, look to push you towards the tree.
2: Oh, st- stop.
1: <laughs> the thing sprints back off out of the ravine, loping on all fours.
2: Oh, I turn to face the house and look at my shield. It looks the same. I go to knock on the door. Stepping towards the
1: tree, as you step past this threshold... You suddenly see grass on the ground. This ravine, small stream. This place is abjured powerfully. Uh, Illusion, the ravine, something keeps this place hidden. You look up to try to see the canyon walls that revealed this place, but you actually see this tree just in a small glade of the jungle, kept... Safe somehow. Other trees around it bearing fruit, bananas, mango. You see soft grass, this little cottage built into this tree. You hear some laughter. And from up above, there's like a small tree house in like the upper branches with like a little string of pieces of paper, like of a kite's tail, and you hear some scuffling up there, and a ball falls out. And p- bounces across the yard and you hear some scuttling and some kids jump down. You see there are two younger children who run out across the yard. Uh, they look for all the world kind of like they're related to Suver and <laughs> Uh You see these two kids run out except that they, in their black hair, there are stripes of white going back. And you see they run out and each look up and suddenly see you and go, "Huh? Uh, um, Mom? Mom? So, uh, and they both run to the door uh, as fast as they can. I chase after them. Wait, uh, wait. They get, they get in the door and they say, put the
0: illusions up, put the illusions up.
1: Uh, and you see that uh, as they rush in, you see uh, there's a, a woman who steps out. Um, you see it's sort of like a mid-thirties black woman. She's got, like, a gown on. You see, she comes out and has a frying pan in her hand. "Ah! Get in, kids, it's all right. She steps out, sees you, and says, Sir, I don't know how you found this place, but please... My name is Ursalon. I'm looking for my sister. She looks at you. You're not wearing your glamour, right? No. She looks at you with no glamour and you see she doesn't drop her glamour she does look like this like a human with some features but you see that she actually changes almost like a like a lycanthrope or, or like a aware being she changes into a more badger like form tall broad furry looking at you and says come inside quickly Please, come, come, come. Okay. okay uh, yes. She takes her hand, brings you in the door. The family's looking around and talking. You hear them saying, Ursula, Ursula, Ursula. And they bring you in as you walk into this tree, enormous, like a baobab, massive, massive tree, brings you back in an ancient round bed with a quilt of patchwork. There is an ...ancient woman... ...hair of her head... ...gone white... ...grandma... ...and you see... ...a woman... ...looks up at you... ...a little bit of rheumatism in her eyes...
3: Ursula,
1: lot. ...her glamour fades... A very old badger, lying in a bed, looks up.
3: Is it really you?
2: Yes. Yes, Goliath. Uh, I'm going <clears> to <throat> drop my shield. Uh, I'll approach the bed. you Oh...
3: You're... oh. The happiest day.
1: You see that she holds a very feeble paw out to you and takes your paw in hers, takes your hand. She goes, you,
3: You're so tall. Weren't you a little roly poly cub?
2: Well, I've, I've grown. <laughs> I can't believe I, I was at the Citadel. Did you find
3: it? Did you find the little burrow I left in the side of all their comings and goings? I did. I spent a lifetime of mortals looking for you. Did I, did I get it wrong? No.
2: I, I, whatever space exists between where we're from and where we are. I, I believe I may have spent more time there than you did. I came after you. You. Oh, I've only been here for... Tw- oh... 20-some-odd years.
3: I'm so happy.
2: You see, she hugs you and she says, I
3: thought... It was so much worse if it was the other way. I thought there was a world where you died at Starling Ford. I thought there was a world where I was too late. It's all okay if I was too early.
1: You see, she just starts sobbing and and embraces
2: you. I just lay there and hold her.
3: Uh, You see, she smiles and says, I learned so much magic just to try and find you. And you weren't hidden away. You were just a little late. You were on your way this whole time. I'm so happy you found me.
2: I think Ursulan holds, kind of, even more, kind of envelops Kalaya. Um, I don't. feels only two days ago I found out you'd ever crossed over it. It's, I I can't believe you went through all that you did. I'm sorry, I didn't. You don't have to be sorry. You don't have to be sorry.
3: We're spirits, we're wild ones. (laughs) You chose to run and so did I. And I've lived a wild life, my brother, my little brother no matter how big you get. <laughs> I missed you so much. I mean, I, I cannot stay for long. No, no, you cannot. And there's a lot to tell you about this strange world.
2: But I would stay here a moment and meet all of these people.
3: I, I had kids with humans what I had kids with humans you're not supposed to do it but it's hard you fall in love multiple humans Well I have an ex-husband <laughs> there's so much to tell you wait wait I'm getting up and you see
1: there, you turn to see a weeping family of half spirits behind you go grandma no and she's like she can do it she can do it where? I've stolen so much magic stuff, and I'm going to give all of it to you.
3: <laughs> Let's, this is my little brother. I'm going to pick her up. <laughs> she classed <laughs> you, my little brother. He was on his way. I lived a life of mortals, and you were always on your way. You're on the right track.
1: Blinding snow. Whistling wind harsh night illuminated from wild lamps. No ground, no sky, no mountains or plains to either side, just endless snow rushing past faster than the wind. As we see the deck of the Meridian, its frost white blimp, and endless riggings and ropes. You see crew members hacking away at the ice forming on the ropes. A alchemical artificer's lamp blasting out in the blinding snow. The light barely helps as the snow blasts forth as this skyship races through the Arctic winds and we see a figure tied to a mast so as not to go over in the sudden movements of the harsh winds move back to the helm. Crying out, the crew member of this, the Meridian, calls back.
3: Mistress, we've just crossed the Boreadic Parallel. We should be there in less than an hour's time. Wizard Sky will be putting down at once.
1: And we see at the helm, the Wizard Sky. Abria. <laughs> please describe your character as she is aboard her
0: skyship, hurtling towards the North Pole. Suverin Kedbaraket, the wizard's sky stands uh, in a massive black coat lined on the inside with jet black fur. It is like midnight because the sky is not dark blue. It is black here. And at that note from uh, her crew member, she stamps her staff glowing in the light and hectic uh, world around her once on the deck of her ship and I cast mage armor and the light that reflects and refracts off of her, over her. If you knew, if you watched the interplay of Aurora Borealis lights dancing across the invisible glass, you would know that that is Steel's armor. This is a Wizard of the Citadel, and she is coming. With all the strength of her home behind her. And she looks out and forward, and any bit of snow that touches her clothing or her face or her hair melts away immediately. I will not be touched by this world or any other without my permission again. Ship the Empire. Approaches
1: the top of the
0: world
1: at the coming hour that has been foretold where witches meet the empire stretches and far away the world of spirits waits and watches for
3: what will come next That was Lou Wilson as
1: Ursulon, Erika Ishii as Ame, Abria Iyengar as Suvi, and Brennan Lee Mulligan as everyone and everything else. Worlds Beyond Number is edited, designed, and scored by Taylor Moore at Fortunate Horse with additional sound design from Michael Gelfi Studios. For even more like this, join us on our Patreon. We'll see you there.